Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. Today is Thursday. It is the 1st of September. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. State officials say a third managed care organization will join the state's Medicaid program starting next year. We'll get the details from IPR's Natalie Krebs. Iowa Health and Human Services officials say Molina Healthcare of Iowa is expected to start providing services next July. The California-based company will join the state's current MCOs, Iowa Total Care and Amerigroup Iowa. Elizabeth Matney is the state Medicaid director. She says Molina was selected because it specializes in government programs and has demonstrated success with populations that need long-term care and support. That's a population that is especially uh, vulnerable to any type of transitioning care. And we really wanted to make sure that we were choosing an entity that had proven experience Iowa's managed care organizations serve nearly 800,000 low-income and disabled Iowans. Officials in the state are reporting a slight increase in the number of reported positive COVID tests in the past week. More than 6,100 positive tests have been reported in the past seven days, an increase of about 200 from last week. That says federal officials report COVID hospitalizations have remained stable. As of yesterday, 265 are hospitalized that have tested positive for the virus. State officials have confirmed an additional 33 deaths associated with COVID this week. That brings Iowa's total death count to more than 9,900 from the virus. Public meetings were held this week in eastern Iowa for a proposed pipeline stretching from Cedar Rapids to Decatur, Illinois. Wolf Carbon Solutions would collect carbon dioxide from two ADM plants in Cedar Rapids and Clinton and send it to central Illinois, where it would be stored underground. Senior Vice President Nicholas Noppinger says this would reduce emissions of CO2 from the production of ethanol, which contributes to global climate change. Noppinger says his company has built thousands of miles of pipelines and never used eminent domain. Honestly, it's, it's a lot easier to work with the landowner and find creative solutions to go through their, their property in a voluntary way versus condemnation. One other company proposing a carbon capture pipeline in Iowa has asked the state to permit the use of eminent domain for its project. The Iowa Utilities Board will hold a virtual public meeting on the Wolf Carbon Project on September 19th. Canadian Pacific and Kansas City Southern Railroads are pursuing a continental merge that runs right through the Quad Cities. IPR's Zachary Oren-Smith tells us critics there are concerned. With Canadian Pacific's rail lines in the north and Kansas City Southern stretch into Mexico, the proposed $31 billion merger would create a behemoth stretching across North America, increasing service area and cargo capacity. But critics like Michelle Solis-Russell of Davenport have been organizing to stop the train. In a video posted to the group's Facebook page, Solis-Russell says she's concerned about the additional traffic, noise, and danger the merger could bring. There has been no public notification for those living literally on the track. It has been kept quiet. Why hasn't there been a notification process for everyone? Because people are just learning about it now and we're in the last 30 days before approval. The merger needs approval from the Surface Transportation Board and next week the federal body will hold public meetings about the impact of the merger. And federal agents executed search warrants yesterday at a Western Iowa gun retailer's store and home in connection with alleged federal firearm law violations. 
The Sioux City Journal reports agents with the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives served the warrants at BW Outfitters in Denison and Anita and at owner Brad Wentz Denison Home. An ATF spokesman could not be reached for comment. This is Here First from IPR News. Support for IPR comes from the Healing Room at Upstream Functional Medicine, offering medical spa services that support the body's natural ability to detoxify from environmental challenges. Learn more about the Healing Room at upstreamfm.com. For decades, seed companies in the Midwest have hired teenagers to walk cornfields and to help out with pollination in a process called detasseling. But an investigation by the Midwest Newsroom has found seed companies have been avoiding teen labor and are turning to migrant workers instead. Nebraska Public Media's Will Bauer reports. Okay, so these are Kuni Kuni pigs, K-U-N-E, K-U-N-E, and they actually are a red meat. Heather Scar owns a pig farm near Adair, Iowa, a small town a little over halfway between Omaha and Des Moines. In addition to her specialty pigs, she ran a detasseling business. For 11 years, Scar hired teenagers to pull the tassel off the top of corn stalks, preventing self-pollination, for both bear and agriliant genetics. Many detasseling contractors, like SCAR, say the ritual is important for the Midwest, one that's possibly being lost. Earlier this year, Agriland called her and said they were going with migrant crews. SCAR says that's a blow to Midwest teens. They learn those qualities and character-building opportunities, I guess, that detasseling provides. I mean, we're going to lack that in our rural communities now that kids can't do detasseling. Today, seed companies increasingly rely on temporary migrant workers visiting the U.S. with H-2A visas. For example, Syngenta, one of the biggest seed companies in the country, fills a quarter of its detasseling workforce with migrant labor. The caveat? The H-2A program wasn't built to supply a workforce. Just fill in the gaps. And Nebraska's labor commissioner, John Albin, says there's hundreds of middle and high schoolers who want these jobs. But he says he found seed companies sometimes posted jobs that act as barriers for teens. Here's what he found. Unreasonable experience requirements, setting the minimum age at 18 when 12-year-olds can legally do the work, detasseling crops that don't need it, and working all the way into October. You don't have to be an agronomy major to know that nobody's detasseling in Nebraska in October. Albin raised those concerns with the U.S. Department of Labor. Now, Albin and his team can veto job requirements they find to be deceitful or disingenuous. And they get most of them, which ideally opens up the hiring process for more local teens. That's not exactly happening, Albin says. It seemed to us that there had been a decision made at somewhere in the corporate structures of this that they wanted to move away from having youth working in their fields doing the detasseling process. On the flip side, H-2A contractor Javier Chapa says migrant workers are helping where they're needed. Chapa contracts business with Remington Seeds, a company with a plant in central Nebraska. H-2A need to be here because we have to keep the economy moving. And, and we're not talking just for Nebraska, we're talking for all over the United States. For the most part, H-2A workers come from Mexico in search of better wages, where they can make more here in a few months than they could in a year back home. Chapa says his company made the transition to H-2A workers around 2013. That's when he says he started noticing teenagers weren't applying for the detasseling jobs. We don't find enough people wants to do the job. And I understand the reason because 
it's a hard work. I mean, the youngest generations, they go to school to try not to be on the fields. A spokesperson for Syngenta said the seed company needs flexibility for detasseling. When a field needs to be detasseled, it's got to get done. Having a mixture of local teenagers and migrant crews allows that flexibility. Danny Reynaga is a lawyer that specializes in farm workers' rights in Nebraska's panhandle. He says yes, companies choose migrants because they want productivity, but that can lead to violations. The fact of the matter is that H-2A workers are vulnerable uh, to, to a large extent. Most would say probably more vulnerable than U.S. workers for a variety of reasons. Many H-2A workers often don't speak English, and farm worker advocates say migrants may not know their rights or fear what could happen if they speak up. In Lincoln, 13-year-old Daniel Miller got waitlisted for a detasseling job this year. His mom did the job when she was a teenager. So I thought it would be a cool thing, fun. Well, not really fun, but maybe fun. <laughs> Something to do that would get me some money. Miller is already 5'9", perfect for grabbing the tall corn tassels. He and his mom hoped detasseling would be a good first job this summer. He wants to save up for a PlayStation. He says he plans to apply again next season. For the Midwest Newsroom, I'm Will Bauer. This story comes to us from the Midwest Newsroom, a collaboration among NPR, IPR News, and public radio stations in Kansas, Missouri, and Nebraska. And this is Here First. You can find this podcast wherever you subscribe. I'm Clay Masters. <laughs>